and have a seat. Oh, there's my big voice. It came back. Um, glad you are here this evening. We're excited that Keith Gallo is here with us this evening. He's one of our regular people here, um, and he owns a company here in the area. And I'm excited that he was able to get away and spend this time with us tonight as we look at the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. I, sometimes when I think about Jeremiah, I think, oh, sadness, grieving, sad, 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 sad. And then there you get to the parts where it's hope, 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 hope. And I think, isn't that just like life? Life is sometimes sad, 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 sad. And then there's hope, hope, hope that comes along. And so I'm excited uh, for Keith to come and share with us in just a minute. But first, we're going to watch a short video uh, about the book of Jeremiah that will just give you a quick overview of Jeremiah. And it's only take a few minutes. But I would encourage you, if you are a note taker and can write fast, you might want to write down some of the things that you hear uh, in this video because it has lots of really great information in it. And then as soon as the video is finished, Keith will come and complete the rest of our study time together. So watch away. The book of the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah was an Israelite priest who lived and worked in Jerusalem during the final decades of the kingdom of southern Judah. He was called as a prophet to warn Israel about the severe consequences of breaking their covenant with God through their idolatry and injustice, and he even predicted that the empire of Babylon would come as God's servant to bring this judgment on Israel by destroying Jerusalem taking the people into exile. And sadly, his words became reality. Jeremiah lived through the siege and destruction of Jerusalem and witnessed the exile personally. Now, this book came into existence in a really interesting way. Chapter 36 tells us that after 20 years of Jeremiah's preaching in Jerusalem, God called him to collect all of his sermons and poems and essays and commit them to writing, which Jeremiah did by employing a scribe named Baruch, who wrote down and compiled all of this material into a scroll. Now, Baruch also gathered lots of stories about Jeremiah, and he linked all the pieces together. And so this is why the book reads like an anthology, a collection of collections. It's all been arranged to present this prophet as a messenger of God's justice and grace. So the book begins with God calling Jeremiah to be a prophet, and he's given a dual vocation. He will be a prophet to Israel, but also to the nations, and his words will both uproot and tear down, but also plant and build up. In other words, he's going to accuse Israel and warn them of God's coming judgment, but he also has a message of hope for the future. Now, this opening perfectly summarizes the first large section, chapters 1 to 24. It's a collection of Jeremiah's writings from before the exile. And the core idea here is that Israel has broken the covenant with God and violated all the terms of the agreement they made that are written in the Torah. And in a number of ways, they've adopted the worship of all kinds of Canaanite gods, building idol shrines all over the land. And Jeremiah develops the metaphor of idolatry as adultery and uses the language of prostitution, promiscuity, unfaithfulness to describe how Israel has given their allegiance to other gods. Jeremiah also repeatedly accuses Israel's leaders. The priests, the kings, the other prophets have all become corrupt. They've abandoned the Torah and the covenant, which has led to a tragic result. 
rampant social injustice. The most vulnerable people in Israelite communities, the widows, the orphans, the immigrants, were all being taken advantage of in clear violation of the laws of the Torah. And Israel's leaders didn't even seem to care. So a classic place where all of these ideas come together is in chapter 7. It's called Jeremiah's Temple Sermon. The Israelites are coming to worship their God in the temple as if everything is just fine, but outside the temple they are worshiping other gods, and some were even adopting the horrifying Canaanite practice of child sacrifice. And so Jeremiah makes his very unpopular announcement. The God of Israel is coming in judgment. He's going to destroy his own temple and punish Israel by sending an enemy from the north. This is an army that God would allow to conquer Jerusalem, and as you read on, you discover he's talking about the great empire of Babylon. And so this all leads up to a transition in chapter 25. Israel hasn't turned back to their God, and so in the first year of Babylon's new king, Nebuchadnezzar, God tells Jeremiah to announce that the Babylonian armies are headed for Israel and all of its neighbors to conquer them and take them into exile for 70 years. He compares Babylon to a cup of wine filled to the brim with God's just anger at all of Israel's injustice and idolatry, and God will make Israel and the nations drink from this cup. Now this chapter is key to the book's design because everything that follows is going to focus on Babylon's coming attack. First on Israel in chapters 26 to 45 and then on the other nations in chapters 46 to 51. The section about Israel first contains stories about how Jeremiah begged Israel to turn back, how he warned them right up to the last minute, but the leaders of Israel kept rejecting him. The section concludes with a large collection of stories about how Jerusalem was under siege and eventually destroyed by Babylon and about how Jeremiah was persecuted all through that time and eventually kidnapped and taken against his will to Egypt by a group of Israelite rebels. Now, right here in the middle, in between all of these dark stories of disaster and judgment, is a collection of Jeremiah's messages of hope for Israel's future. So he picks up on Moses' prediction that after Israel had broken the covenant and gone into exile, see Deuteronomy 30, God would not abandon his people. Rather, he would renew his covenant with them and transform their hearts. Jeremiah develops this promise, and he says that God is going to one day inscribe the laws of the Torah, not on tablets, but rather on the hearts of his own people. He's going to heal their rebellion so that they can truly one day love and follow him fully. And so one day, Israel will return back to the land, and the Messiah from the line of David is going to come, and that's when all nations will come to recognize Israel's God as the true God. So these chapters are showing that despite Israel's apostasy, God is not going to let Israel's sin get the final word. Rather, his own faithfulness will bring about the fulfillment of his promises no matter what. After this, we find the large collection of poems about how God is going to use Babylon to judge the nations around Israel. So Egypt, Philistia, Moab, Edom, Ammon, Damascus, Hazor. But then, surprisingly, the longest poems are saved for last, and they're about God's coming judgment on Babylon itself. So although God used this nation to execute his justice, God doesn't endorse their violence and idolatry. And so Babylon, too, will come under the standard of God's justice. And so Jeremiah denounces this nation's pride and injustice as well. Now, Babylon is larger than life in these poems. And it reminds us of the image of Babylon all the way back from Genesis chapter 11. Babylon has become the archetypal rebellious nation. In their glorification of wealth and war, God's going to give this nation over over to its own destruction. 
The book concludes with a story taken from the end of the book of 2 Kings. It tells about Babylon's final attack on Jerusalem, how they destroyed the city walls and burned the temple and took the people into exile. The story shows how Jeremiah's warnings of judgment from chapters 1 through 24 were fulfilled. But then the chapter ends with a short story about the captive Israelite king Jehoiakim. He's heir to the line of David. And the king of Babylonian releases him from prison and shows him favor by inviting him to eat at the royal table for the rest of his life. And the book ends. So it's a little glimmer of hope. And this recalls Jeremiah's promises of hope from chapters 30 to 33. God hasn't abandoned his people or the promise of a future coming king from David's line. And so while this book contains a huge amount of warning and judgment, the final words conclude with a note of hope for the future. And that's what the book of Jeremiah is all about. Every time I see this red thing, I always want to put that up there like a clown nose. Hey, good evening. Good evening. How are you guys doing? So, um, normally my wife would uh, actually be here with me, Katie. So I'm the one that's, you know, normally not here, except for maybe a couple times on Wednesday nights. But she's like totally in bed right now, like uh, with a major, major back problem. So if you guys would just be like praying for her, considering that, that would be awesome. It was like so bad she couldn't even walk. It was actually right in the middle of church this Sunday where she just was all of a sudden like, I don't know, something just happened. I just feel like something's wrong. And we went right home and she's been like in a bed ever since. So um, yeah, not a great thing because she got the MRI back and it's like really bad actually makes my back hurt even just thinking about it. Uh, um, so anyway, uh, so are you guys already all broken up into groups and stuff? Is, I mean, is it, are these our groups right here? So that's great. So what, what group are you, are you in my group? Are you going to be in my group? So he's not in a group or you're not in a group. So yeah. So are we get it. Like, I don't know if you're gonna hang out with those boys back there. Like, this, like, like that guy right there. Who's that? He, Dan's not in a group. He just can't. so get in a group. You're not in a group, boys. Let's go. Tighten up for you guys. It's always the guys. Look at them. One, two, three, four. They're all scattered throughout the whole sanctuary. You know what I've said about being solo, trying to do this thing called life. You know, it's no bueno. You sound like Toby Mac. No what? Toby Mac. Toby um so we're going through the book of jeremiah so helpful those guys like you know from the bible project we should just like give them a clap um what an incredible ministry if you don't actually if you've never heard of it they have one of those that's actually their old version um and now they're doing every book again in the bible um and just with a different uh, it's awesome so the bible project that's where that video is from so um I've got a time clock, and that's actually, is that the end of the, is the 7.35 the end of the time? Okay, cause, but, cause, but that includes our discussion time, right? That's fantastic. So uh, forgive me if I'm a little bit uh, rusty, because it's been a number of years since I've actually delivered a message, uh, but I used to do this multiple times a week. Uh, we planted a church in Daytona uh, in 2013, and then in, two, in late 2019, uh, I think it was 2019, 
2000, late 2018, we actually handed it over to another pastor. Uh, long story, but um, I, I love the Word of God, and um, it's, it's, it is a complete anchor and a lifeline for me. And when my life was completely transformed by his power, um, there was nothing else that came close to it. I had traveled around the world. I had done wild and crazy things uh, and, just, and not, not being in the will of God. And he just, which just moved into my life. That's the best way I can say. He just moved in. Hello. You know what I'm saying? Who are you? <laughs> you know, I'm God. All this stuff needs to go. I mean, it was like that. Oh, really? That too, God? Yeah, that too. And it just, he just kind of wiped all of that out. We'll actually look at that in a second just here with Jeremiah because they have a very similar sort of thing happen in the latter half of Jeremiah where, you know, you guys probably know the verse, right? Like, you know, one of the most popular verses. What, what's the most popular verse, would you say, in the book of Jeremiah? Huh? What'd you say? Thank you, thank you, that's exactly it. Thank you so much for doing that. So that's like grandma's like pillow, like crocheted on somebody's couch somewhere, all over town, everywhere, right? We all know Jeremiah 29, 11. We all know that one. And, um, but what we don't know is what's just a hair before that, because God says in just a couple chapters before that, that um, I'm going to, just like we saw in the video, rip you away from all of the things that you actually do know and think you know, and I'm going to have to start over. It's like a reset button almost. You know, It's the same sort of almost experience that we can have when we're transformed by the power of God. He said, all of this is out. Now, this is in. <laughs> you know, this is what we're doing now. And, uh, you know, you have to yield to that. Because another thing Jeremiah says, and it's, I believe, you guys could, fact, I'm, not, I'm not great, and this is going to be very conversational, so I really am, uh, encourage engagement. Um, but he says that, uh, I think it's 18, Proverbs 18, that um, we are the clay and that he is the potter. And part of that is like this, it's a yielding. Like the, and he says, the clay doesn't say to the potter, what are you doing, dummy? You know, like the clay doesn't talk back, right? Say the clay doesn't do that. Go ahead, say it. The clay doesn't do that, right? I mean, unless, I don't know. If it does, can you please invite me over to your house? That would be, I would love to see clay talk. That would be, that would actually be amazing. Um, but clay doesn't talk, but in that same sort of uh, illustration that's given there, it's, that's us, that's our life. And we can keep saying, no, God, I don't want you to do that. No, I don't want you to do that. And that's a lot of the tension that we actually see throughout the whole book of Jeremiah, no doubt, where um, Jeremiah himself, which um, they did give us a definition in the video for, for his name. Did you guys catch that in the video, what his name meant? Did anybody pick up on that? No. So it's, it actually has a couple different names, but it, it, it can mean appointed by God. Appointed by God. That's what his name means. And he was a messenger of both judgment and grace because God actually spoke these things to him. And when you look at chapter one right here in Jeremiah, just go there with me because we're going to spend our questions, what I'm just kind of calling focus questions for all of our tables here to, to, tonight, we're going to spend those on three verses in chapter one. 
So it's really hard to do a 30,000 foot flyover in one night, you know, but I do believe that the Lord will um, meet with us tonight and already has. Um, so uh, Jeremiah 1 verse 8 um, you'll see, actually, always read verse one. Let me stop there. I'm so sorry. Always read verse one, right? You just, it's like a, a good thing to do. If you're going to do the whole book, just read the first verse. Doesn't matter how many chapters there are, I'll go all the way to the last verse. So at least you kind of know how it starts and ends, right? So let's do that. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests who were in Anathoth. Say Anathoth. No, you got to say it like this, Anathoth. That's actually a lot of fun to say that. In the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. Now that right there is truly amazing because here's what we see throughout the entire book. And you guys can study this on your own and I challenge you to actually do this. You can do a, a word study or a phrase study on this. The word of the Lord came or the word of the Lord was spoken, or just simply, I heard the word of the Lord. It's repeated over and over and over and over and over and over, all the way throughout the book. And it's this interaction with Jeremiah and the Lord, because the Lord's going to, and by the way, that's what prayer is. Um, just a little side note, prayer is never just one way. It's always two-way communication with God. We, yes, we call out, yes, Lord, we need help, yes, we need this. But what we see here in the relationship with Jeremiah and so many other people in the scriptures is that God is absolutely saying very specific things. So um, I always encourage you guys to do something like that. Always read the first verse so we know that. The other interesting thing just right here at the beginning is that it was when Josiah was king. Do you guys know who Jos Josiah was? Do you remember? Do you remember the story? Yeah, that's right. So he's the young king, right? He's the young guy or whatever. And he actually started to steer the nation back to the word. And, it's, and you see it with Nehemiah. You see it with multitudes you know, of, of, pe of people in, in the Old Testament. And um, it's interesting how there's seasons of that. Like, think about it. Like, there's, and I, I bet you could think in your life right now, seasons in your life, where you really felt like the activity of the Lord was at a high level. Would you guys agree with that? You're like, something is, like, is in the air, right? Like something's up. Like why does everything feel like it's on the edge, right? Have you guys like, can you relate to that? This is yes, this is no. Okay, we got that, yeah. Okay, we, we're doing good, we're doing good. So, but a focus that we're going to look at here, right here, is in verses 8 and 10. Uh, 8 through 10. So just skip down a little bit with me right here. And we're going to look at three areas um, in just a moment. So I'm going to give them to you right now. I'm going to say a few other things to kind of give us some ideas. And as we kind of have, you know, these little conversations at our tables, um, we'll go right through. I'm going to read through it first. And I might even call upon you to see if you have a different version of the Bible. So I'm reading out of the New American Standard version. So you might have New King James, NIV, and you know, whatever. You might have a different, so I might ask you that because the words could actually trigger something in your mind that you go, oh, I never thought about it that way. So verse eight, look at this. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Verse nine, 
Then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, there it is again, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Verse 10 says, See, I have appointed you this day. That's actually his name. I've appointed you. I've, that's, that's what his name means. This day um, over you over the nations, over the kingdoms, to pluck up, to break down, to destroy, and to overthrow, to build, and to plant. And uh, it's like, whoa, those sound like fighting words, you know, <laughs> especially the end. Would you agree with that, Dan? That ending part right there? You weren't paying attention. It's okay. It's all right. We're going to engage. So I'm going to help, help, help. We're working. Everybody have a Bible. Did I ask that? I didn't even ask that. If you don't, please get one out. I don't care what if it's on a tablet I used to make fun of people that actually only had it on their phones, but I gave up on that because the whole next generation was just like, you're an idiot. We only have phones, you know? So that's totally cool now. And, uh, but it is kind of awesome to have God's, a copy of God's word because it really does become special when you fall in love with the Lord and you just remember things. We're going to talk about that in a second. Just remembering, remembering, Lord, what you did. So in, in these few verses, we actually have a, a, a small little outline that we're going to work with tonight. And here's what they are. You can actually write these three things down. Verse 8, God equips his people with his presence. God equips his people with his presence. That's the first note you would take. God equips his people. With the, the second one is this. In verse 9, God equips his people with his word. God equips his people with his word. So everything starts with God equips. The third one is this. God equips people with his promises. God equips people with his promises. So he first he equips people with his presence, then with his word, then with his promises. And we're going to see that right there in the text in just a moment. But what I want to encourage you guys to do is, and I, I know this is such a big ask, and a lot of times, you know, our pastor, Jonathan, who's away with us, which I almost wanted to vomit after I called him yesterday, and I was like, listen, I am so ill-equipped right now. I'm so sorry. I can't get a printout to your uh, secretary. I can't, like, I can't give you what I want to and give notes for everybody. He's like, it's all right. And I was just like, oh, okay, because I was going to cancel because all this stuff happened with Katie, you know? Like, I'm like, you know, we were at the, getting the MRI last night at 10 o'clock at night, you know? It was like crazy. So anyway, um, but then I got here and I was like, oh my gosh, I was so blessed because um, Karen was like, listen, uh, you know, we heard what happened and we've, you know, how about we just kind of use this little video and all this? And I was like, oh my gosh, I was like, that's so awesome because I thought about that video actually. I was like, I wanted to watch it myself. I've seen it, but it's such, it was such a great thing. So I just, it's so awesome to, to um, I don't know, be a part of this group, I guess, you know, is what I'm saying too. And, and to be a part of what God's doing here is amazing. And, uh, you know, anyway, I didn't vomit, by the way, after I talked to Jonathan, um, but I might after tonight. So um, that's okay. But here's what I want to, this is what I was getting at. Sorry, total ramble. Um, a lot of times we're challenged with, listen, I want you guys to read this message, this, uh, you know, Proverbs 1 on Monday. I want you to read Proverbs 2 on Tuesday. You know, you've heard pastors say that, you know, and encourage us to go ahead. And what he's saying is dig in. That's like what he's getting after. He's like, you have to mine for gold. If you want to find it, you will find it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a big ask and a huge challenge. At some point, if you haven't read the book of Jeremiah, or even I would say as far as the Bible in, in entirety, read it from cover to cover. 
Just take the time. It would actually, if you stopped your entire life, it would only take 73 hours at a normal reading pace. And if you read new uh, NIV version, it's written at a fourth grade level. So I think everybody could do that. 73 hours is all it really takes. It looks like a big book, but it, I'm telling you, it will change you. Your soul will be nurtured and God will just do things in you. You would have never expected if you just open up your heart to it. It's amazing. And there's nothing like it. And that's why he's the well, he's the living water, and we keep coming back, right? We just go back to him. Have you, has anybody actually been ministered to like that in their lives? You know, has God done that? I mean, it's, 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 truly, it's truly amazing. So read through, Jeremiah, read through. And all you're going to do on the first pass is this. Get out one color of a highlighter and just, that jumps out at me. That jumps out at me. That jumps out at me. I like that verse. I love how that was said all the way through it. One color, very, very simple. And what you can do is you can use that to refer back to as we're going to see here in a second, God equips people with his promises are, what are the promises of God? Do I know what they are? And uh, I mean, I can actually go on and on. I didn't even prepare a whole lot, but when you look through this book, this in, in its entirety, just the book of Jeremiah in totality, it's truly amazing because Jeremiah, some people probably thought he was a joke. You know, he's called the weeping prophet. Have you guys heard that before? Like, that's that, like one of his nicknames. Like, wow, you know, woo, you're a crybaby. That's what they were saying. You're a cry, you know, what are you doing crying on the schoolyard? Like, he's getting made fun of. That's exactly his life, you know? And then he's like, forget this. This is a joke. God, what are you doing? You know, you ever, have you ever felt like that? Like, I just feel like giving up. Yeah, that was like, that was Jeremiah. So put yourself in his shoes for a moment. Just be thinking about that as we look at a couple, as, as I'm going to give you guys these questions. But as you move through the book, just a couple other quick little things. That um, it talks a lot about God's word. There's even a reference in, um, I think it's, I think it's tw uh, 23, in chapter 23. It says that God's, you know what? I'm going to look it up. Somebody please help me. It's uh, 23... Jeremiah 23, 29. Open up that verse. Open up. Uh, turn to that verse there. Jeremiah 20. Whoever has it, just start reading it. Jeremiah 23, 29. Wow. So can you read it just a little bit louder? I'm sorry. Just, so I, I don't know if these guys heard it. That's a pretty strong language. If I, I mean, that's kind of like God cussing almost is what that is, if you guys didn't pick up on that. But that's like very, very strong language actually in the way it was written. And, and it's, it's like, this is what my word does. It breaks things. It, it, it just, it will pulverize things. My, the word does that. It's like a hammer that just breaks the rock. It's like a fire that would just go into the life of people. Like we see in Acts, where the Holy Spirit comes down, we see it just go through the whole church, the New Testament church. And even now, it's an amazing thing. And I truly believe that we're in a very, in a season where we are kind of like on this edge, if you will, like I was talking about before. Like they're in this tension of what is really happening, God. Why don't you inform me? Well, God says, okay. Let's look at Jeremiah uh, 33, 3. Let's look at that one real quick. Oh, call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. 
It's just like as you go through it, and you can kind of like challenge God, and he just, the, 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 uh, the narrative and the conversation is truly, it, it's so beautiful. It talks about revival and renewal, and it, it, there's so many depths to this, but um, we only have a little bit more time, and I want you guys to talk so uh, together. And uh, so, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to go, again, I gave you the challenge, so read the whole Bible. I, I was going to just go with Jeremiah, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go all in. I'm going with the Hail Mary. You know, I mean, no, no Proverbs chapter one. Just read the entire thing and just get over it already. If you haven't done it and you're a man, uh, talk to me after service. I have counseling for you, and we will start a program together, and I'm serious about that. I will absolutely help you with that. We, me and one of my best friends, who's a youth pastor, we actually always go through the Bible cover to cover every year. We've just been challenging each other, challenge each other, just right through it every year. So it is doable. It is doable, gentlemen. Um, and I'm speaking to the gentleman there because there, there's no grace for them whatsoever. None. None at all. So here's the first one, maybe one in the room only. And that's definitely not Dan. Um, <laughs> love you. So look at verse 8 again. We're going to go back and we're going to look at this. God equips his people with his presence. God equips his people with his word. And God equips his people with his promises. Those, those three areas, just focusing right now on Jeremiah chapter 1 in verses 8 through 10. And each verse is going to have each one of those points. You guys cool with that? So here's the first question that you guys are going to discuss as a table. And you guys can just work. I'm going to give them, uh, well, how much time do we have? We got like 20 minutes. Is that about right? About 20, okay, so that, that should be decent time, I guess. Um, has, here, so here's the first question you're asking with your group, okay? Has there ever been a time that you have been overwhelmed with the presence of the Lord? And I, I would hope that there would be some sort of testimonial in this moment that would rise up, that would really build and edify your group, because really it's about the visitation. It's about him coming down. It's actually called glory, by the way. It's manifest presence. It's God showing up. Because think about it this way, church. If God didn't show up here right now, or God didn't show up here during worship on Sunday or, or during the message on Sunday, all this is is just a bunch of bricks and mortar and people just showing up in a building. It's about God's glory coming down. Isaiah actually commonly is known as the prophet who stood Jeremiah's crying in the corner, wah, wah, wah. Isaiah steps in and he's just like, dude, I am going to just stand with this. And he starts to lead, you know, he's like, let's go, you know, and these guys just start encouraging one another, you know, and, and they just see God do incredible things. And, uh, you know, God's up to that kind of stuff. Like he just, like, that's what he does. But it's about the presence of the Lord. Isaiah 64, 1 says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would quake at your presence. And it's not like, oh, would you just do that? It's like, no, it's like, whoa, let the, let the heavens come down and the mountains quake. That's why. Why is he a mountain quaking God? It's because he made mountains and he can move them. That's why. He's a mountain maker and he's a mountain mover. And so we're asking this question of when have you ever had an encounter or call it a visitation, call it an overwhelming presence. I don't care whatever. You, it's God showing up. It's called manifest presence. It's glory. And it's an, it's an incredible thing. So share that with your group and just, and, and somebody open up first. Don't be shy. Maybe be specific. Or maybe it was a word of encouragement from the Lord too. Just like we see a word came to Jeremiah, a word was given to Jeremiah. Either one of the two would, would work. So let's talk about that just for a minute.
Cool?
right, we're going to try to, I know the Lord's really uh, moving through you guys' groups, but we're going to try to move on to the next one. Sorry, was that interruptive? Well, oh, do I have to give minutes or something? Oh, what are you praying? Oh, what are you? Oh, I'm so sorry. All right, keep going. So what do I do? Do I do two minutes? You can do the clock. I have only just one. Okay, so you want to do that? You, uh, I, you said 7.35. Like, we have two more questions. Okay, so that was lame. I'm, like, I am in tr- I am so much trouble right now. Oh, my gosh. I am in the, the doghouse. There's actually a place called Doghouse Pizza, and I will be there tonight in the doghouse getting pizza. Um, how many of you guys would say that we... You would just, by raising your hand, real to, to acknowledge this, because body language is a huge thing. I really believe that God, you know, he respects that. Like, the reason we salute somebody when they're in the army and, or in, you know, in the armed forces, you know, is because they, 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 they do that respect. And um, God is do so much more than just a salute. So um, body language is really huge. But how many of us would just raise our hand, hand and, and, and agree that we are in desperate need of God showing up. If you would just, so I would say that the majority of us do, some maybe more than others, but no, I'm just playing. You guys did great. Thank you for doing that. We need God to show up because if he doesn't show up, it's, um, it just continues to just, we just watch things fall. And I was just sitting over here at this table just for a second and over here and Julie talk. I'm sorry, this is so cool because I have to share this. Um, that was about Jonathan, right? Yeah, I, I was like, I get to sit here and just listen to her boast about Jonathan. This is so awesome, you know? I can't wait to tell him later. But no, what was, this is the coolest thing though, in all seriousness. She said, I really love this guy because he has the eyes of God. So that's it right there. It's really just God allowing us to see like he sees, to feel as he feels, to know as, you know, we'll never know as he knows, but to, to chase, chase him with all of our efforts in order that we would see this incredible reward with our master in heaven, right? And not only that, but just the fruit of it here on the earth and, and, it, and it being very, very tangible. So God equips people with his presence. We know that. I mean, I see you guys talking and I just watched the Lord and, and I'm, I'm so sorry that I interrupted that. I, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. Ah, okay. Um, forgive me. Number two is, is this one here in verse nine. Again, this is, we, we, you know, we take an expositional biblical approach to preaching. So that is literally giving you a verse and exposing what the meaning of that is through some sort of, uh, you know, template, if you will. So the second one here is God equips people with his word. In verse nine, then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched their mouth. And the Lord said to me again, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. So that's, that's it right there. The next question that we're really asking, if, unless you guys want to continue to talk about what you were just doing, you can totally scrap this whole thing. Uh, the next question is, um, how has the Lord used you to bring gospel-centered life change to another person? And actually, that plays into exactly what Julie was just saying, because when we have the eyes of the Lord, I really, there is this, I now have my marching orders. I know what to do. I'm putting my word in you, and that's why it's so important to be in the word so that the word gets in us. That's the highest of highest importance, because if we don't have that, we'll have no equipping. It's all this, God's going to do it. God's going to do it. But that doesn't mean we just sit around with our feet up. There is an effort that we have to put forth. So how has God used you 
to bring gospel-centered, biblical, uh, or change to another person? That would be the next question. I'm going to give you the third one that somebody's jotting this down, and then we'll just leave room if you guys, maybe just for the next 10 minutes. Is that, is that right? Is is that okay? Because I just I hate to like always like this is your first go at it, guy, and you go over the clock. Then they never invite you back. I don't you know ever want that to be the case there. So, um, but I'm still going to give you the third one anyway. So here's the third question, and this is going to come out of verse ten. Uh, is it, you're going to ask this question? Can you recall one of God's promises, and and which one specifically has impacted you maybe the most? It's an anchor. It's this one verse you always always come back to, and it's almost like that. You've heard somebody say, "That's my verse. That's mine." Yeah, have you got, have you ever said that to somebody, right? And then they said, "No, that's my verse." Have they ever responded that way? And you're like, "Give it back," kind of a thing. Um, it's my, okay, somebody got that, a couple people did, but that's really it, so let's have the uh, next 10 minutes with discussion around those two things, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll just let Jonathan give, give us good jokes on Sunday, that'll be better off that way, okay, love you guys.
All right. I wish there was like a way to kind of like ease into like interrupting everybody. Like something like that. I feel like, oh my God, I, I, I should, there should be like a buzzer or something. I don't, I don't know. Like I feel so terrible that I keep interrupting y'all. Um, well, hopefully um, you, uh, you guys were encouraged and, you know, we're going to spend some time in prayer, but I'm going to pray uh, with us and for us just for a moment, and then uh, we're going to kind of cut in about 10 minutes or so, and at, like right at 7.50, and it'll be a wrap. Is that cool? You guys good with that? So hopefully you guys were encouraged by that, and, and uh, yeah, just start reading the Bible. Like if you guys wanted to talk after that, like I said, in all seriousness, I can, there's a multitude of plans that won't bore you to death, you know, once you get the lamentations, and you start just, oh, Leviticus, you know, lamentations is next week, by the way, I just, not to scare everybody out of the room, but that's, I'm doing that next week, too, so um, that's going to be awesome, um, so let me pray, Father, we do thank you for your incredible grace, we thank you for your awesome, awesome favor upon our lives, um, Lord, and how you can just continue to sustain us um, through it all, um, through every circumstance, every situation, every push, every pull, just every uh, moment and every detail, you are showing up if we allow you, if we welcome you in, if we just say, God, join me today, just right now when I get in my car and I'm headed to work, just join me today. When I get into the office and I see a staff member that I really don't want to talk to, just join me today. Give me the grace for the, the day alone. Give me my daily bread for today. Um, and, and all those moments, give us spiritual eyes to see that we would um, exercise uh, wisdom that comes from your word, that we would see um, pitfalls and we would see um, areas that could be trespassing uh, before us, and we yield to the power of the Holy Spirit in those seasons and in those moments, just right there on the spot. We just ask that you would um, continue to give us the power to take the next step. Just take the next step. Maybe God's saying that to us tonight. Maybe it's hard. Maybe it was hard to even come here tonight, and he's just saying to you right now tonight, this is the word of the Lord. Take the next step. It might be just something that simple. It might be something as simple as this. As the word of the Lord came to not Jeremiah, but now he's coming to us right now. And he's just going to simply say, I hear you. Just real simply. God shows up. He, he, he shows off. And he just, he wants to speak us, to us in those sorts of ways. And, and, and maybe tonight that is um, something as small as an answer is coming. Resolve will be here in the morning once my mercy is made new. Might be something that simple. Might be an offense that you're, you just feel you're just wrestling with. I'm, it's an offense of some sort. And God is saying to you tonight, this is the word of the Lord. Life is too short and your calling is too great to live offended. 
He might just be saying that to you. Life is simply too short. Life is too hard. Walk with me, and I'll show you how to do it. He might say something like that tonight. But Lord, we just continue to yield to you. We surrender to you as we continue to just embrace what it means to have you sitting at our tables in your presence. Let there be fullness of joy tonight. And let the power of the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your church just show up and be with us here as we continue to embrace one another, engage in fellowship and in prayer centered around you that you would be glorified in this. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.
Father, thank you for this time together, for your faithfulness to us, for your great love, your mercy, and your patience. We give you thanks for what we've learned tonight. We give you thanks for the fellowship around the tables. We give you thanks, Father, because you're a good God, because you're our Father. Father, thank you for loving us with, an un with a compassionate love and care. And Father, I pray just as Jeremiah talked about sad things and hope, Lord, help us to find hope in every day. Help us to seek you always in everything that we do and all the ways that we go. We ask your blessings upon us as we leave from this place, Father. And might we each tonight make a commitment to read your word daily. Even if it's only a couple of verses, Lord, help us to put it into our hearts and ponder it so that we might indeed know you better. We ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.